Welcome to the VocalDisorders.org interview series. Today, Susan Reagan is speaking with Dr. Paul Jenkins, author of Pathological Positivity. Get ready to learn how Dr. Jenkins found his voice in the midst of voice loss. Hi, welcome Dr. Jenkins. Thank you so much for joining us on Vocal Disorders. First of all, I would like to commend you for your um, your strength and your fortitude in carrying on not only in your practice but your professional life and dealing with a vocal disorder. So welcome, and I'm sure that the community that belongs to vocal disorders will enjoy what you have to share with us today. Well, thank um, you. It's an, it's an honor to be with you today, and I appreciate this opportunity. Uh, absolutely. Um, so, Dr. Jenkins, uh, you come to us from Utah, is that correct? That's right. And what do you do out there in Utah? I have a positive psychology practice. I started uh, out what exactly? Well, I, I started out as a traditional psychologist. I had a, a traditional psychotherapy practice, mm-hmm. uh, which which I operated for about twelve years or so, and then. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess it's been about eight years ago. I made a transition to positive psychology, which is uh, best characterized if you think of your mental health on a spectrum or a continuum. Clear over on the left end is the sick end where we have diagnosis, pathology, treatment. And my practice is now focused on the other end of that spectrum. So to understand that, if you go to the middle first, that's health. Health meaning not sick. So you could be sick in bed with a fever throwing up. There comes a time when you can get out of bed and you're not sick, but that doesn't mean you're truly fit, thriving, prospering. So this other end of the spectrum is what I now focus on with my clients, and uh, I also do a lot of speaking, and I, I author books and things like that as well. So, Dr. Jenkins, just really quick, I have a couple questions in the, in the short time that, we're, that you've shared with me so far. So, okay. is it safe to say that you're switching from the, the sickness end of the spectrum to the prevention end of the spectrum, going from treatment to prevention? Well, is that a, that is that a fair kind of summary? That's approaching it, but even beyond prevention, okay. Uh, there's this whole end of the spectrum that's not even concerned about a disease or pathology process mm-hmm. where the focus instead is on optimal functioning and thriving and prospering. So does that bring about prevention? Yes, it does, but it's more of a secondary thing. It's also uh, effective in terms of an old treatment mentality, which if someone is struggling, for example, with depression or anxiety, uh, it will be improved through applying principles of positive psychology. We can also prevent mental illnesses or, or disorders from occurring. But the focus really is on enhancing and improving functioning. So uh, it, it's really a prosperity and and thriving sort of a model instead of a pathology and treatment sort of a model. Okay, great. Um, You know what, doctor, I'd really love to know, uh, why did you change your perspective and treatment to go from the treatment of of not not necessarily disease state, but from that of sickness Mm -hmm. to, to the change of positive psychology? 
you know, we've known for a long time in my industry that there is a correlation between uh, happiness and mm-hmm. success. And we used to think that that meant, well, if you're successful, you'll be happy. But the research is really showing now that it's the other way around, that it's okay. happiness. Happiness brings about or causes or, or creates an environment for success in whatever mm-hmm. ways we like to measure that. So uh, in, in concert with that, I've shifted my practice model to focus on positive psychological functioning, happiness, joy, prosperity. And, and as a natural result of that, people experience higher levels of success in whatever we choose to measure. Wow, that, you know what, that is very, very interesting. Um, you, they say that our minds control our actions and our actions control, um, what are the, no, my, our actions control our behaviors, our behaviors control our actions. So this definitely ties into that, into that mm. mindset. Um, yeah. You know what, I'd just like to talk more about your 20 years of professional practice and your authoring of the book, Pathological Positivity, mm-hmm. which is, and that's a little funny to some people because the word pathological, from psychological perspective, it, it means disconnected from mm-hmm. reality or disordered or crazy, really. Oh. Uh, but it also means compulsively driven. You've probably heard the phrase pathological liar, for example. Yeah. And in that particular usage of the word, this is someone who is so compulsively driven to something that they, they can't even stop it. So I've applied mm-hmm. that meaning to the application of positive attitude, positive thinking, in order to generate optimal levels of mental health and relationships and functioning. So I call the book Pathological Positivity for that purpose. And Dr. Jenkins, um, where would someone be able to purchase this book? There is actually a .com for that mm-hmm. title, pathologicalpositivity.com. And that's the quickest way to get to it. Great. And so I guess that is available that you could pay for it by credit card or what are the other options? Is PayPal an option or I guess there's an ordering mechanism on the website? Yes, absolutely. And the, the primary distribution I'm using is Amazon. So okay. it's, it's pretty seamless in, in terms of payment shipments. Great. Um, approximately, how, you know, how long is the book? It, could you get through it in a day, in a week? <laughs> well, my favorite psychological answer is it depends. <laughs> it depends. It depends. Very good how, answer. How fast are you going to read it? You know, all of those things come into it. Then it's a, it's a typical uh, personal development, self-improvement book. There's 24 chapters and uh, just over 200 pages. Okay. Well, so so it's, it's, it's extensive. Well, yes. Uh, what we're doing in the book is digging down to the philosophy and the, the psychology behind positive thinking. You've heard it forever, I'm sure, that just think positive. You hear that touted from the stage or from, from personal development gurus. What we're doing in this, this book, Pathological Positivity, is digging down to the how and the why behind positive thinking so that you get a really firm grip on the principles that will actually make a difference in your life. 
Um, you know what? Absolutely. I, uh, you know what? The, the idea of positivity is is one of the things is the only driving factor that really allowed me to get my voice back um, in mm. dealing what they thought to be spasmodic dysphonia, but ended up being muscle tension dysphonia. Um, so you know, positivity and never giving up, and and reinforcing the fact that I would speak again and that I would be able to be successful in life really helped me to get through uh, what I had to get through. Uh, what mm-hmm. I would like to now speak about with you is why Vocal Disorders chose you to be a special guest um, to talk about uh, your your travels with spasmodic dysphonia and what your journey was like dealing with a vocal disorder. Uh, yes. Your voice is absolutely beautiful, and you cannot tell that there's anything wrong. So tell us about your journey, <laughs> the onset, um, what it was like to find out that you had a, a vocal disorder that was going to be chronic. Well, and and thank you uh, for that opportunity. First of all, I want to acknowledge you said that you can't tell that it's there, but I I have to acknowledge that I can. Uh, You feel it. You feel it. Yes, and it it requires a conscious, uh, determined effort. And you hear me pause occasionally. My clients and my audiences have come to accept those pauses as my opportunity to create some kind of emotional impact with what I'm saying. It's actually a very conscious effort for me to create voice and to select the words that I have learned I can actually initiate a sentence with. It's been been a very intentional. Go ahead. Uh, um, you know, there's a little delay um, in the service here. I'm sorry, um, yeah. but I'm sitting here smiling and shaking my head because what you're saying is exactly how I manage my speech. You know, there's, yes. there's a word that's just not coming out that's stuck. I pick a different word. You know, mm-hmm. while I sound good, I feel the, the hiccups and the catches and, and the glitchiness and the ups and the downs. Yes. So that's why I'm smiling and I'm, I'm in total agreement. Absolutely, everything you're saying is is how to manage speaking, um, so that you're not gasping for breath, that you're not, you know, that you're able to get your words out in, in some time of reasonable right. manner. <laughs> right. So I, and yep. Susan, there has not been a day, uh, or if there has, it has been maybe a handful of days in the last 15 years mm-hmm. that I haven't had to intentionally and consciously think about my voice. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't have a vocal disorder, this might be a very strange idea. But for those of you who, who have this condition, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And at first, it was much more disabling to me. This was about 15 years ago. And mm-hmm. I actually addressed this in my book because it was such a life-altering experience for me to get a diagnosis of spasmodic dysphonia mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm a psychologist. My voice is my tool of yes. production. I'm also a professional speaker. I'm the vice president of the National Speakers Association here in the Western United States in our uh, Mountain West chapter. I right. speak every day. I do radio. I do podcasting. I do television. So mm-hmm. I've got to have my voice, right? Absolutely. When this first hit, you know, Susan, this ties into the positive psychology too because 
our mind has to make sense out of what's happening to us one way or another. And mm-hmm. I, went to a, I went to a doctor who just shook his head. He had no idea. And he took some guesses. He said, well, maybe it's stress. Or, you know, maybe it's just fatigue or something like that. And I was very busy in my practice, and, but I didn't feel particularly stressed. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't resonate with me. Well, my mind started, and this is what I address in my book. If, if any of you have a copy of my book, just, just note page 60 is where I start into the story about my vocal disorder and what happened with that. I, I tried to figure it out in my own mind. And you know what? We answer our questions, our own questions, with as much or as little information as we have. And sometimes we're way off. So my own mind was creating answers like, well, well, maybe I'm psychologically disturbed. Or, and then my religious upbringing kicked in, my conservative religious background that said, oh, well, maybe God's angry with me or I've sinned or something, you know, to deserve this curse. Mm-hmm. And none, none of that makes any sense. Well, I finally got in with a team, an amazing vocal disorders team at the University of Utah Specialty Clinics. These guys know what they're doing. Uh And probably the only ones in the state who have seen this and know how to correctly diagnose it. And they gave me the information that I needed about what was going on. And just having a title for it or a name for it helped, helped me to get in a position where I could start to wrap my head around this thing and find some ways to approach it. And I tried, I tried the Botox. Um, those who have spasmodic dysphonia know that Botox injections are one of the treatments. Um, it did take away the spasms, yes, but I completely lost my voice for a couple of months. Absolutely, as did I. And I couldn't sing for like a half year after that. Wow, so that must have been hard to tolerate. So, you know, I decided, I decided I would take a different approach. And really, all I have done, first of all, I would say, is accepting it. Okay, this is what I've got. Okay, you know, just wrapping my arms and my mind around it so that I can accept this is what it is. And it doesn't mean that I have to stop doing what I love or stop serving people in the way that I have become accustomed to serving them, I just get to do it differently. Mm-hmm. So, so I pick... Okay, now i got to take a breath here. I pick different words to start my sentences. I know mm-hmm. which ones work and which ones don't. I pause, creating a dramatic effect, right? Mm-hmm. But it's really just buying time for me to get the voice going. And, and I deal with it. And my audience, uh, my clients, they all have come to recognize and accept my voice for what it is. And it's become part of my signature. So people will say, well, I can't even tell that you have a vocal disorder. Well, I can tell, but I've learned to talk in a way that they just accept that this is the way I sound, and it's okay. 
Uh, doctor, I have a, a couple questions about your course of treatment and overcoming spasmodic dysphonia because, like I said, you sound absolutely beautiful. Your your voice mm -hmm. is, um, you know, very fluent, and, and I can't detect the hitch, although I understand what you're saying. You feel it like yeah. I feel with my own voice. Um, did you Do you still get Botox or you do not get Botox currently? Uh, I, my last Botox injection was in 2002. Oh, my goodness, that was quite some time ago. Okay. Yes. Um, did you see a professional speech pathologist or a speech therapist to help learn techniques and different um, you know, workarounds to help your voice? <laughs> you know what? Here's where the story gets kind of interesting because I am married to a speech-language pathologist. Hmm, that is ironic, isn't it? And, and in fact, she is the one who got me into the people I needed to see to get a correct diagnosis. Okay, she, so that was lucky. Used, so I did consult with two speech-language pathologists and vocal therapists mm -hmm. at the University of Utah. And then together with my wife, we just started to identify things that worked for me. Mm -hmm. And... And I have to add here, too, I practice a lot. And I think whatever you practice, you get better at. The first several years after my diagnosis, my vocal disorder was much more noticeable. Mm -hmm. But I have gotten better at it. And I want, to, I want to restate here that I still, even during this interview, Susan, I am feeling the spasms and I am applying the strategies that I have learned and they come so naturally to me now mm -hmm. that I sound fairly fluent to other people. At the end of the day of, of speaking, I gave a, a keynote at uh, the university last night and by the time I got home, it, it was very noticeable and my, my wife and my kids will notice it more because with fatigue, Mm -hmm. Of course, I, this this voice of mine is very vulnerable, and so it's one of the first things to go. And it's stress, fatigue, um, anything like that is going to exacerbate it and cause it to be more noticeable. You know what? I, I absolutely agree from my personal experience in dealing with voice loss that my voice mm -hmm. is my emotional barometer. If somebody wants to know how I'm feeling, all they have to do is listen to the quality of my voice. Um, yeah. My voice is is fluent and it sounds great. You know, I'm gonna, I'm 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 doing pretty good. But if it's tight and I can't speak and I can't get the words out, I'm I'm fairly upset or I'm anxious or I'm dealing with a stressful situation. So mm -hmm. absolutely, my voice is also my barometer for how I'm feeling. Who needs a mood ring when you've got a vocal disorder? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there's some truth to that. I think. Absolutely. So, it, it's so funny. I mean, you, you have spasmodic dysphonia and I have muscle tension dysphonia, but mm -hmm. there are so many commonalities in our experience of how to manage the voice. But, um, but what is inspirational about your story and your personal journey is that you are able to manage the effects of the condition without... Um, pharmaceutical intervention without the Botox because mm -hmm. uh, I, I know just from being involved with different support groups and different organizations 
uh, regarding voice is that there is an absolute panic about what if I can't get Botox? What if I lose my insurance? Uh, what if I develop scar mm-hmm. tissue on the larynx? What if the Botox is no longer effective? Right. Um, and, and that is a real panic for a lot of people. So I think your story is exceptionally inspirational because you do not have, you don't walk around carrying that bag of worry. But what if, well, what if you know? We can worry all day long. And here's something that I learned as, as I've practiced professional psychology now for over two decades. Anxiety is caused by exactly what you just identified, Susan. It's the what-if questions. Mm-hmm. But, but realize that there's a part of your mind that will not let go of those what-if questions. You have to answer them. Mm-hmm. And if you, don't, if you don't give it a good productive answer, your mind will hand you one that does not serve you well. <laughs> you, you're absolutely correct. Your mind will create problems where none exist. Absolutely. And we're powerful to do this. So here's my suggestion on the what-ifs, and I've had them. Mm-hmm. I, remember, this is a potential career changer for me. At least I thought it was. Mm-hmm. I thought it was. And, and so I had to answer the what if. Well, what if this prevents me from doing my speaking and my radio and my podcast? And all I had to do was answer it with this. Well, I could handle that. See how simple that is? And in accepting that I could handle it, guess what? things started to get better. Mm-hmm. It's, when, it's when we get trapped into that noxious victim. Did, did you hear the spasm right there? The, uh, the you know what? No, I, I didn't actually. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten pretty good at it. Um, these are hard for me. And my wife's name is Vicki. But wow. I cannot initiate a sentence with, with that voiced consonant. Mm-hmm. It's Anyway, that's just for your G-Wiz collection. But this is the power of the mind because when you accept it, and that's why I said this is the first step, accept it. It is what it Mm -hmm. is. And and it could always be better and it could always be worse, but here we are. So with what I had, I decided, okay, I'm going to move forward and do what I can, and if I sound funny, I sound funny. And if people say, what, what? What? All the time? I'm just going to repeat it and come back right. and I'm going to use confidence and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put some air support behind my voice because that's a little hard anyway. Mm-hmm. And I even did things like swimming to improve my breathing. Oh, okay. There's, there's all kinds of things you can do, but it starts with acceptance and then you do what you can. And it, <laughs> when you said that we notice... Uh, those of us with vocal disorders hear others with vocal disorders. And I did a little television spot a couple of years ago. I I did a television spot and I got a a call from a lady in, I think it was San Diego, California, who had been turned on to this television spot by her sister or something. I was talking about children and divorce. I can't remember the whole topic, but this lady contacted me and she said, do you have SP? <laughs> I said, mm-hmm. 
okay, you must have SD because who's going to hear that other than someone who knows? But she flew out here from California and was a guest on my show. Oh, wow. On my podcast because she was in a similar position. She was thinking, oh, my gosh, I've got this vocal disorder. I can't now go forward and do what I want to do, which was similar to what I was doing. Well, she heard my television presentation and realized, wait a minute, this guy has SD, I can tell, and he's still doing what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. inspired her to get out of her own way and say, okay, well, how can I do this? Instead of just being a victim about, oh my gosh, I've got this diagnosis. Okay, accept that and then keep moving forward anyway. Um, it has been my experience, and not, I don't want to use a broad brush to, to paint for this next statement, but it's been my experience mm-hmm. that a lot of people say, well, I have this vocal condition. There's no way I could live the life I was supposed to live, or there's no way that I could live the life I was living. I'm going to give up. I'm yeah. going to accept what is less than what I deserve in life, whether that's employment, whether that is a relationship, whether that is just being recognized for, for the gift right. of the intellect and your abilities aside from your voice. So, like I said, I've seen a lot of people just give up and say, well, I'm not capable. And and I think that is a terrible mistake to give up, um, you know, for any disability to say, well, I, I can't, I have this oh, yeah. wrong with me. Um, and that and that could be a life a life changer for a lot of people. But I think the key message in this um, is just you've got to keep moving on, pick your bag up, and keep walking down the street and deal with what is yeah. been given to you and figure out a way to make it work. Um, so, yeah. so absolutely not giving into into whatever. Is, is presented to us is a key factor in being successful. Yes, and that was so beautifully said, Susan, because whatever Thank that you. package is, and whether it's spasmodic dystonia or muscle tension dysphonia or whatever, uh, right. these are just voice disorders. You could have cancer. You could have mm-hmm. bankruptcy. You could have paralysis. You could have an amputation. Right. Uh, what, and everybody, I mean, we can all think of examples of people who have those packages too. Mm-hmm. And what, what do we do? Curl up in the corner as a victim? Or do we say, okay, well, so this is my package. I'm going to carry it. Right. And then and do whatever is required. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, Dr. Jenkins, we just hit the half hour mark. What a delightful person you are. I thank you so much. And I'm sure that the vocal disorders community will enjoy listening to every minute of what you shared with us today. Well, uh, I certainly hope so. It, it's such an honor to, to be able to speak to this issue because whether it's a vocal disorder or anything else, I, I think it's so important to find ways to create liberty and freedom and new possibilities instead of getting stuck behind whatever our diagnosis is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree, doctor. Well, I just want to thank you again for your time today. I know you're a busy man um, and carving time out of your day cannot be easy, but I really, really, truly appreciate uh, your time and your effort with us today and on behalf of the website and on behalf of Andrea Hardaway, who has started the two websites, Vocal Disorders and Vocal Voice Matters, um, in honor of her mother, who has spasmodic dystonia as well. Mm-hmm. So 
um, I'm going to end the recorded portion of our conversation. And then we will re- hopefully reconvene at another time with another half-hour portion of our discussion. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this interview. Please visit VocalDisorders.org to see more of our interviews and articles. Remember, you do have a voice, and your voice matters.